Father, thank you for this day and for your precious word and this time together. We love you and we thank you for loving us so perfectly and instructing us, your disciples, in your way and your word. Help us, Lord, to retain every seed you plant in our hearts today. Nourish it, protect it, cause it to take root and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk today about our spiritual garden. A couple of passages of scripture first to lay the groundwork. Matthew chapter 13, verses 3 through 9. And then put your finger over in Galatians chapter 6. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3 through 9, then Galatians chapter 6. From there, we'll probably turn back a page, but that'll get us started. Amen? Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. Then he told them many things in parables, Jesus did. Saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, flip over to Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. The Bible teaches us that a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And if you turn back one page, Galatians chapter 5 Verses 19 through 23. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, the Bible teaches us that all Scripture is God-breathed. Or given by inspiration of God. 
That's one of the foundational truths of Christian life. If you want to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ, you must come to terms with the fact that this book is perfect and complete, cover to cover, and that it's a book written by God through the person of the Holy Spirit as he had it written down through 50 different men. All scriptures God breathed. And since the Bible often uses the metaphor in Scripture of a garden to describe the life of faith, it's critical for us as Christ followers to listen to His teachings and examine our spiritual gardening practices. Without the proper care and attention, our spiritual gardens will not produce healthy growth and prosperity in our lives. It doesn't take long once a garden starts producing a harvest to identify what's been planted in that garden. If you see tomatoes, then the farmer planted tomato seeds. If you see watermelons, the gardener planted watermelon seeds and cucumber seeds, and he planted for cucumbers and so on and so on. And it's just as easy to identify what's been planted and sown in the heart. In talking with someone, it doesn't take too long before you can tell what sort of seeds they've planted and are sowing in their life. They may be seeds of bitterness, anger, resentment, unforgiveness, or self-pity, perhaps. Maybe it's obvious that what has been planted are seeds of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all the fruit of the Spirit of God. And Jesus died on the cross so that you and I could have them. So it's important for us to question what sort of seeds are we revealing to others that we've planted and are sowing in our own hearts. The place to get the right seeds is through the Word of God. And the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Without the good seed of God's word. Planted in our hearts. We can never find the fullness. Of his will for our life. And the fruit of the spirit will never manifest in our lives. Lesser seed. Planted and sowed in our heart. Seed from the world. Produces only corrupted fruit leading to death in all of its various manifestations. God tells us that simply knowing and having the right seed isn't enough. It's a good start, but any farmer will tell you that seed don't grow in the sack. Imagine a farmer taking this attitude. What if the farmer says, I'm not too sure if the weather is going to be good for farming this year. So, I think I'll just hold on to the seed that I have. I'll tuck it away in the barn and play it safe. Who knows? It may not even rain this year. Or it could rain too much. We could have a bad storm, maybe hail. Sometimes weevils get into the crop and eat the whole thing too. Any of those would ruin the crop. And the time I spent planting would have been wasted anyway. 
It's a smarter plan to just save the seed. Plus, this way, I don't have to do any hard work. Getting out the old tractor, tilling up the ground, planting the seed, managing the seed, taking care of it. I know a guy down the road who got a bunch of money from the government not to plant his seed at all. <laughs> That's a good incentive. Maybe I could get in on that deal. <laughs> Farming wasn't ever really my strong suit anyway. I'm sure no one's going to miss this small little crop that I would produce anyway. Matter of fact, everybody would probably harvest twice as much as me, even if I did plant all this seed. Now, the outcome of that attitude isn't hard to predict, is it? <laughs> that farmer is not going to have a harvest, and it's nobody's fault but his. Our lives in Christ are the same. God designed the earth system of the harvest through sowing and reaping, and he designed the same system in the spiritual realm. Everything we need is in seed form. It might be tangible, like money, or houses, or cars, or other material things. Or it could be something intangible, like a smile, or kindness, or a talent that we possess. Perhaps the most important intangible seeds are our words and our time. Everything is a seed. It's one of the most important things God ever taught me. And he taught me in my garden. Our lives are largely made up of the choices we make on how and when to sow all the seed that God gives us. We shouldn't judge that farmer too harshly. Everything he did, we do ourselves. If we plant seeds from God by investing ourselves into the things of God, the storms of life could still cause major setbacks. Bad things happen to good people. We have dreams that are in seed form that God has placed in our hearts. But it's much easier to simply know that we have the seeds stored away than to put in the work of tilling the ground and planting the seeds and watering God's plans and desires for our lives and those we may affect. Especially because we aren't experts and other Christians are much better at it than we are. That's what we think anyway. And certainly we have outside influence incentivizing us to leave the seed unplanted, don't we? The things of the world always give us reason not to, to attend to our crop. These reasons are based on basically fear, sin, covetousness, self-pity, laziness is a big one. But God is our provider. And if we just head in the direction of His plan for our lives, He'll calm our fears and His providence will come to pass in our lives if we allow Him to help us along the way. Even if it doesn't look quite like we think it should. And remember, we don't know all we think we do about other people's situations either. God doesn't want us to be in the business of comparing ourselves to others because we lose that battle in our souls every single time. 
Anytime we begin to complain about the provision or the talents God has placed in our lives, we're really offending our Creator. And that's enough reason for me not to do it. And finally, laziness only breeds sorrow and often depression over time. Lives of laziness are some of the least fruitful, the least joyful, and the most disappointing, really. We have to rid ourselves of all those excuses because if we don't plant the seed that God has given us, we're not going to reap a harvest either, just like that farmer. If we don't sow our seeds of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, neither will we reap a harvest of those things in our lives. Not planting at all allows the enemy access into our lives, which can have broad-reaching impacts well beyond our own souls. So, what do we do? We need to ask the Holy Spirit to till the soil of our heart and plant the seed of God's Word in it and then begin to give to others all of the same wonderful things that God has given to us. Confidently expecting that our good and loving God will bring an abundant harvest into our lives if we just trust Him and turn loose of all the good things that He's given us. I want to read a couple more scriptures here. Philippians 4.8 is one of the first scriptures that my wife was given by a, a great woman of God who helped her very, very much when we were baby Christians and the storms were raging. <laughs> And Philippians 4.8 instructs us on how to think. If God tells us something, to do something, that means He's given us the ability to do it. And that was very liberating for us. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Think about that. Luke six forty five. Jesus said, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Again, Proverbs eighteen twenty one: Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Then in Mark eleven twenty four, Jesus said, Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. 1 Corinthians 5, 7 teaches us that we walk by faith and not by sight. And one more scripture, and then I'm going to try to tie them all together. 
Second Peter chapter one, verses two and three, Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord, according to his divine power, hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us into glory and virtue. This is the next phase, I would say, in learning about our spiritual gardens. We can't ignore the importance of how we are believing and how we are thinking or meditating. These beliefs and thoughts ultimately manifest in words that are producing a harvest in our lives, either for good or for evil. According to Proverbs 23, we are what we think, right? So what do you think? Are your thoughts honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, or the opposite? Sometimes one, sometimes the other. Your life will inevitably go the way of your predominant thinking. So it's wise to decide to meditate on godly things. Amen? A common response to this charge is that humans can't help what we think. But that's not true. We absolutely can with the power and the help of the Holy Spirit abiding in us. If you want a, a, a test or, or to see what your ability is regarding this, I always make a joke and say, imagine for a day that you had a television screen facing outward on your forehead, projecting all of your thoughts for the world to see. You'll change your thoughts or you'll hide. And that's what a lot of people do, think they're thinking that people can see them anyway. And they live condemned lives, not knowing that everything they need is found in Christ. Whether it's forgiveness or comfort or encouragement or the truth, simply. Some people are afraid of the truth. They've erected barricades around themselves because they've built their lives on lies. And they've gotten in so deep that anything that's the truth that's opposed to those things now is unacceptable, intolerable. And I really feel for people like that. And it's, it's tougher and tougher in a culture that condones all things that God calls evil. Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke that whatever is in our hearts, whether it's good or evil, will well up and manifest in words eventually. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, remember? And if it's our words, if they can create and, and produce either positive or, or negative things in our lives, which obviously they can and do, then we need to be careful. We need to be at least mindful and thoughtful of that. If we speak life, if we speak love, if we speak faith and truth from God's word, then we will create for God. If we speak bitterness, 
or fear or anger or hatred or doubt and unbelief, then we're going to create for Satan. Sowing evil and reaping the consequences. If our situations and circumstances are terrible, we get to a place where things are so bad, we can't see them being any other way. We need to make up our mind not to say all the negative that we see or we'll continue to have what we say. I remember the first time somebody told me that. I didn't... I understood it immediately, but I'd never heard it before. But they tell me, don't keep saying what you see or you'll have what you say. And it is true in this sense because we're sowing and reaping. Our words are seeds. It doesn't mean that we live a life of denial. This is the part I had to come to, to understand. It simply means that we refuse to settle on anything short of God's best manifesting in our lives. So if our marriage, our finances, our health, or anything else is being threatened, we need to speak life into the situation. Here's an example. Yeah, I'm experiencing some problems right now. But God is greater than anything that can come against me. My God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory. I am blessed beyond the curse. I am blessed, redeemed, loved child of God, and His favor surrounds me as a shield. This situation is not how things will be for me. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. My God has granted unto me all things pertaining to this life and godliness. And the blessing of the Lord is overtaking me. My marriage, my finances, my health are blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not a religious thing. It's not a formula. It's not that we can't say the bad thing. I just don't like to give the devil any glory for his successes. But if we do say it, don't stop there. You know, it's it's not Christian science, which isn't Christian or science. If our arm gets lopped off, we're not going to say that's not my arm. (laughs) You know, but if we have a pain, we can say, yeah, you know, this thing is trying to come against me. But by Jesus stripes, I am healed. I will live and not die and proclaim the works of the Lord. These lying symptoms have to leave me right now in the name of Jesus. I command you body to be restored and made whole from head to toe right now in the name of Jesus. Don't ever stop at the ugly. Speak life. Then finally comes belief. We're all called to live a life of faith. And Jesus promises... And an amazing statement that we shall have anything we pray for if we believe that we have it when we pray. (coughs) Obviously, Jesus didn't mean that God would rig the lottery for us or give us somebody else's spouse. Those things would be ungodly. But anything that has been provided by grace through the atonement, love, joy, peace, forgiveness, 
physical and emotional healing, deliverance, financial provision, all these things and more are ours by simply asking and receiving by faith. But why? What makes us entitled to these things? What gives us the confidence to believe what Jesus said? The new covenant of His precious blood. When Jesus died on the cross, having said, it is finished, and then sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven, He effectively handed over to all believers who make up the church His power, His authority to operate in this earthly realm. Jesus was anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Isn't that what the the Bible says in Acts? He completed miracles. He did all kind of wonderful works. John said, if I was to write down everything he did, all the books in the world couldn't hold it all. He did everything good while he was here on earth. He had power to do it all. And he has given all that to us. He's given us now the task, the command, the commission of doing the works that he did and even greater works. Isn't that what he said? The key and I'm almost done here, is in believing that, first of all, that we have this ability that He's given us, that He really, that we were included with the others who believe. When He said, those who believe in My name will do the works that I do and even greater works. We're one of those. You're one of His children. You are one of His redeemed, empowered children. And He loves you. But He's given us the task of doing the works He did. And the key is in believing and being able to see these spiritual truths so vividly in our minds that they become more real than the things that we can see in the natural. Andrew Womack said that before he ever raised anyone from the dead, he would dream about it. He would see these scriptures and, and he would dream about it and he would see himself raising. He said in, at night he would raise 30, 40 people from the dead in his dream and, and throughout his day. And then when the, when the first opportunity presented itself, he's in a little church in Pritchett, Colorado, town of about 300 and Half of them were in his church. Raised a man from the dead. He died right there. Son was raised from the dead. His wife. Many others in the ministry. I've heard the same testimony from others who have done the same thing. It has to be real. The word of God has to become real to us. Sometimes you might just have to close your eyes. 
Because you can see more clearly with your eyes closed than with them open. The truth of God's Word. The kingdom of God is within us. We're Holy Ghost powered. And His power will work in and through us. More and more often when we begin to magnify and esteem His Word and the spiritual truth more than the natural. That's all there is. We're like a seesaw. The spiritual and the natural. Faith and unbelief. Only one end can be up at a time. It's the way we're created. And it's a choice. What we decide to meditate on and believe. There's a powerful scripture. I can't remember what it is right now. The chapter and verse. But Paul talks about a time when all the other believers, all the other people who heard the same truths he had been told. But it didn't profit them anything because it hadn't been mixed with faith in their hearing. It's not just hearing the things of God. It's applying them and believing them. And making them real in our lives. God says His people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. John Wayne said, Life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. (laughs) The Lord... (laughs) Sometimes people get offended when I say that. But you can, you can be uninformed of the truth and not be stupid. But to know the truth and not act upon it, that's, that's stupid. <laughs> I don't mean to be offensive. But sometimes we need to be hit right between the eyes with something. The Lord's made provision for us to avoid negative results in our lives. Not only negative results, but turmoil and stress and strife and depression and sickness and poverty and much more. He's provided for our complete salvation through Jesus Christ. And now, as as Peter says in 2 Peter, the favor and the blessing of God, as well as His peace, can be multiplied in our lives through knowing Jesus and learning more about Him. Not because God gives us more, but because we learn to partake of the of and of of the, the 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 provision that he has already made available through the atonement through his sacrifice on the cross so we learn to experience these things through faith the things he's already provided by his grace so we need to claim what's ours as an empowered redeemed victorious and loved child of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen? We have to decide to believe His promises for us and call on the power of the Holy Spirit to change our thoughts and words for the glory of God. We'll be glad that we did. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. He's worthy. He loves us and... We're thankful that He does. But all these things are true. He's provided everything that we will ever need for this life and godliness. And we don't have to live defeated 
broken lives with stress and bitterness and sickness and poverty. Those things should not even be on the table for Christians. We just need to reject them at the onset and don't settle for anything less than God's best because that's what He wants for each and every one of us. Amen? Didn't Jesus say in John 10.10, 10, it's the devil, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Praise God. Father, thank You so much for Your Word, for Your love, for trusting us with the authority that You've given us to go forth into this earth and to do Your will. Just as you did while you were here, Lord. Doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. And we thank you, Lord, for helping us to do that. Helping us to see ourselves doing that. So that it will become a, a reality in our lives. Helping others and us on the way. In Jesus' name, amen.